Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Amen. Well, before we get to the Word of God, I need a bit of audience participation. You can do this online by typing um, a little comment into the chat, or if you're here in the building, you can help me out firsthand. I need to know, is there anybody in the room who really enjoys a night in front of the telly? Anybody? Can you give me a wave? Yeah, who doesn't love like a little brew in one hand, feet up on the sofa, and something on the screen just to chill out to. But what I'd really like to know this morning is, are you a free viewer? Or are you a box setter, Netflixer, Amazon Primer, Disney Channeler? So if you were one of those who loves watching BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5, whatever, could you stick your hand up right in the air right now for me, please? I just need to see. Fabulous. Okay. And um, who here would describe themselves as a Netflixer? Disney Channeler? Yeah, it's the Disney that won it. I know, I know. Interesting. Now, if you had to ask me the same question, I would say I don't really watch that much TV, if I'm honest, but I do watch Netflix. Just saying. And there's one reason for that. I am really impatient to find out what happens next. I could not watch soaps, for example. I don't watch soaps because, you know, that doof doof moment that they have, you know, at the end of one of them. Doof, 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 doof. I could not wait until whenever the next episode lands to find out what happens next. I'm just too impatient. And so I'd rather sit on a Saturday morning with my brew, with my feet up on the sofa, and binge watch because then I don't have to wait to find out what goes on. That's just me. Today, in the last of our series, uh, well, it's been called Stories of the Kingdom. It's taken from a sequence of parables that Jesus teaches in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. It's all about the kingdom of heaven. And I have to say, it's going to culminate in such a rich, meaningful way that we are going to be left in no doubt, no doubt as to what happens next in terms of the kingdom and in terms of life here on earth. You are not going to need to wait to find out what is going to happen next. Jesus even goes so far as to utter the words, this is how it will be at the end of the age which if you think about it, is really, really kind of Jesus. Because knowing what is to come will surely impact on the way that we live our lives now. Amen? So that was kind of him to tell us about the end of the age. But this final parable, as we're about to find out, is a warning parable. So much as I love being bright and breezy and and jokey and whatever, this is probably the hardest-hitting sermon I will ever preach because it's a clarion call to wake up. It's a wake-up call to accept Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior before the end comes. Now, if you've been tuning into this series, you'll already know that throughout Matthew 13, Jesus has used ordinary, everyday things to explain really quite profound um, concepts about the kingdom. So far, he's used examples of land and of agriculture, but now he's going to move to use examples from the sea. 
If you remember at the start of the chapter, Jesus is teaching a crowd of people on the shore of Lake Galilee, where a lot of his earthly ministry actually took place. People had gathered around him to listen and learn from him. But by now, he's left the crowd, he's entered a house, and it's just the disciples who have joined him. But bearing in mind the fact that a third of his disciples were fishermen by trade, it's quite likely that they would have picked up on the analogies Jesus used very quickly. So let's take a listen to Matthew 13 and this parable. It falls in verses 47 to 52. It's called the parable of the net. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. There we go. That's our final parable in this series. Now, despite growing up by the sea, I've never once been fishing. Has anyone in the room or online perhaps ever been fishing? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I've had to do some research into the different types of uh, fishing that was around in biblical times. But actually, the three types I'm going to tell you about are still being used today. But I did so so that we could understand the parable through the eyes and ears of the crowd that Jesus was speaking to. And I came across, as I said, three different types. First of all, you could fish using a hook and a line, a line and a hook rather. That's probably the kind of fishing that Peter was doing in chapter 17 of Matthew when Jesus told him, do you remember, to catch a fish, to look for a, a four drachma coin inside its mouth, which would be used to pay taxes. So that was the line and the hook. The second type of fishing was done using a net. And this net would have a cord that would pull the net together and trap any fish that had swum inside. And if you read Matthew 4, you'll hear of this method talked of when Jesus called Peter and Andrew to follow him. But the third type of fishing is what we're looking at today in Matthew 13. And that's by using a drag net. Some people would call it a trawl net. Now, these nets were absolutely massive and trailed behind either one or two boats so they could be spread across a considerable area of water, maybe up to even about half a mile, which is massive if you think about it. And weights could be attached to the edges of the net and by moving slowly through the water, the nets would basically catch everything and anything it came across, not just small or large fish, but anything that stood in its way. 
Now, Jesus tells the disciples in verse 47 that the kingdom of heaven is like. Do you remember those words? The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. Those of you who have read the Old Testament, in particular the book of Habakkuk, will know that the dragnet, the trawl net, is a picture of judgment. There are at least 24 different types of fish in Lake Galilee. And as I said, a dragnet would have scooped up each and every one of them, regardless of size, gender, color, or breed. And this is a picture of humanity, in that when the end of the age comes, nobody will be able to escape the net of judgment, regardless of our age, gender, color, or race. Those of you who've been with us from the start of the series will already be seeing some striking parallels between this parable and the parable of the wheat and the weeds, in that both parables talk about good and evil. But whereas in the parable of the wheat and the weeds, good and evil are allowed to coexist for a while in this present age, in this parable, the emphasis is on their separation at the end of the age. Now, we don't know exactly when this will be, but Jesus is coming again, amen? And when he comes, this world will end. Jesus himself told the disciples that it's not for us to know the times or the dates the Father has set for his second coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be this week. It could be in months or years to come. We just don't know. But you know, in these few verses, the world is being described as a vast sea with humanity being the fish within it. And a time is coming when the net will be full and it will be dragged to the shore. The net will collect everything in its path. But not everything will be kept as a process of separation will occur. Now, each disciple listening to Jesus would most likely have observed this process happening in the natural by the side of the lake. So the impact upon them hearing Jesus using this as an analogy for mankind would have been profound. It would have been profound. But who are the good and the bad fish that he's referring to? Well, the good fish are the righteous, those who have been justified by faith in Christ alone. And the bad fish, the wicked, are those who have not put their trust in Jesus. I told you this morning it was going to be hard hitting. But my first point today is time is short. Time is short. It's time to get right with God. Time is short. It's time 
to get right with God. So many people wander around believing in God, but not having fully surrendered to him. They wander around thinking that everything's okay, but they've not given their hearts and lives to Jesus and made him Lord. Some people think that they've got all the time in the world to do that. And you know what? That's something I'll put off and and do later in life. I'll just do my own thing for now. And then later on in life, I'll give my heart to Jesus. Now I've got loads of issues with that viewpoint. I'm sorry, but I do. First of all, Jesus might return before you hit old age. And second of all, you might not have the privilege of living into your 80s and 90s. But thirdly, do you know what? Getting right with God is much, much more than just a ticket to heaven. Can I kindly suggest that if you haven't invited Jesus into your life this morning and made him Lord, you are missing out, big style, on the privilege of being in a personal relationship with him. You see, being in a relationship with Jesus changes everything. It really does. He's our friend. He's our brother, our protector, our provider. He's our healer, joy bringer, peace giver. He brings hope. He works everything for our good. Did you know that? He's Emmanuel, God with us. He never leaves or forsakes us. He is good to us all of the time. He's faithful, He's kind. We can trust him with our lives. He forgives us our sins. And if we surrender our lives to him, we are guaranteed to be with him for the rest of eternity. That's the good news of Jesus. How many more reasons do I need to give a person to persuade them that they should give their life to Jesus? Time is short. We need to get right with God. That's the truth. If Jesus returned this afternoon, would you be right with him? Or would you be more like one of those fish who were separated from the fisherman? In the next two verses of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus paints an even more vivid picture of the coming judgment. And he doesn't mince his words. Let's listen to verses 49 and 50. Jesus says, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, those words should disturb us, shouldn't they? Those who have not made peace with God will be separated for for eternity from him. And not just that, they'll be thrown into a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, I'm not scaremongering this morning. This is Bible. No, really, I am not scaremongering. This is biblical truth. Jesus was always really intentional about the words he used. And in telling us these things, he's being upfront. He's being honest about the things to come. Each of us must get right with God. And I'll show us exactly how to do that later. 
But as I've said already, you know, knowing how things will end should and can impact the way that we live now. And wouldn't you rather know how things will be rather than walking through life pretending that these things aren't going to happen? But the thing is, if that's true of us, it's also true of our friends, our families, and our colleagues. You see, throughout the parables in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus keeps asking for a response. What might the appropriate response be to the verses that we've just heard? Brings me to my second point. Time is short. It's time to share the good news of Jesus with others. Please hear me right when I say this. Am I saying that we all just go and abandon all sense of cultural sensitivity and just preach judgment um, and be harsh and tell people as it is? It's a good question. Sometimes that can do more damage than good. After all, it's the kindness of God which leads people to repentance. Have a listen to how Peter puts things, and this might help. This is 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, gentleness and respect sound like two really positive heart attitudes from which to share our faith, don't they? Yeah, you see, the good news of Jesus is that we don't need to spend eternity separated from God. That's the good news. In fact, the good news is, is exactly that, that we can spend eternity in the presence of God. How wonderful will that be? Yes, a day is coming when the unrighteous will be separated from the righteous. The bad will be separated from the good. But before any of us get proud and think, well, I'm all right, we do well to remember that there's only one who is truly good, and that is Jesus. If we've been made right with God this morning, it is truly just through the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins. This is all about what Jesus has done for us and not anything of ourselves. There is one way, just one way that humankind can be made right with God, and that is through Jesus. I wonder if you remember that account in Matthew 4. And again, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon Peter and Andrew, and they're casting their nets into the lake. What did Jesus say to them? He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, church, we, you and I, are now the ones whom Jesus calls the fishers of men. We do that by sharing the many reasons that we have for putting our hope in Jesus and also by providing people with the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Do you know, I'm like, maybe I'm being a little bit thick here, but I only realized about four or five years ago that when I share my faith, I also need to ask people if they want to respond. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, 
duh, how did she even make it to the platform? I know, I, I wonder myself. <laughs> but genuinely, it only dawned on me in the last few years that if I'm going to tell someone about Jesus, I probably need to ask them if they want to respond. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, as you and I go about our daily lives here in Cardiff and in the local area, let's not forget to ask people if they want to respond to Jesus. How does Jesus bring this parable to a close? Well, let's have a listen to verses 51 and 52. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Have you understood all these things? What a great question to ask, hey, Jesus. That's the kind of question that every person who preaches in this church really wants to ask you as you leave, did you get it? Did you really understand it? But we perhaps don't um, get so much of a chance to do so. But the disciples reply with a yes. Now, by doing that, they're not necessarily saying, yeah, I've understood every nuance of every parable, but at least they did have a grasp of what Jesus' main teaching was about the kingdom of heaven. And I reckon what was going on here was that Jesus was checking the quality of the soil that he had planted his teaching into. Do you remember in that first parable that Pastor Dominic opened with, uh, there's talk about the four soils? And some of them were absolutely useless, and then there was one that was just great. Well, Jesus is simply checking out whether or not his teaching had landed on good soil. And it had. He wasn't checking their head knowledge. He was checking to see whether they grasped things well enough to be able to pass them on to other people. You know, his disciples weren't particularly academic or learned people. But Jesus concludes his teaching on the kingdom by pointing out that actually even the scribes who had served as Israel's teachers of the law would also become versed in the things of the kingdom of heaven. And that treasure, the treasure of these truths would be passed on to others. The owner of a house does not keep treasures in a storeroom, Jesus says. He or she brings them out for others to see. And likewise, the disciples and in turn us, we learn about God's kingdom, not just for ourselves, but in order that we might pass something on to other people. So let's tie up some of the threads of this parable. God's great dragnet will sweep through the earth and no one will escape. So now is our time to make our decision for Jesus. It'll be too late after you die or when Jesus returns. You know, if you are kind of grappling with this and find this tough, can I encourage you to go to City Church's YouTube channel? Because in March, we spent a whole month looking at the end of the world as we know it. And perhaps if you're grappling and struggling with these issues this morning, it, you might do well to go back and check out those talks. 
But it's God who decides who is separated from him and who is not. And I think we may well be surprised when we get to heaven who we meet there. It's not for us to decide where someone is up to in their relationship with God. Each one of us needs to examine our own hearts, yeah? And see if we have truly repented of our sins and made Jesus the Lord of our lives. So let me ask you this morning, have you accepted Jesus? Have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Because you see, as I said, this parable doesn't focus on the coexistence of good and bad. It focuses on a final day when God will judge all people, when he will gather together the righteous and will, dis- and, sorry, and will discard those who are unredeemed. I'm not going to pretend that this is a comfortable message. It's not. But it is a necessary message because it's the word of God. And so I unapologetically bring it before you this morning. Listen to what Matthew 25 verses 31 and 32 tells us about the coming of the end of the age. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate from people, sorry, separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. There will come a day when angels will separate the wicked from the righteous. We are only accepted before God through repentance from sin and faith in Christ. Just as I finish this morning, um, spent part of the week this week up in North Wales at a young adults conference. And um, it was beautiful. <laughs> it's absolutely breathtaking what God was doing. And some young men who have been coming to this course for many, many years, throughout kids, teenagers, young adult years, some of them gave their lives to Jesus. And I think it's one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. I was sat in a pop-up prayer room um, on, yeah, it was the last day actually, and I watched this young man who'd given his life to Jesus the morning before, or was it that morning? I can't remember. And he literally had his head bowed and his Bible in his hand, and he was just eating up the Word of God. It was breathtaking. And my heart started to explode. And my tear ducts, but let's not go there. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I wonder how long he'll stay there. Do you know what? He sat there absolutely absorbed in the Bible for over an hour. If anybody needed to ask, had he given his life to Jesus? The answer was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Have you made... Jesus, the Lord of your life? Does he captivate you in that way? We're going to say a prayer together in just a second. It'll come up on the screen, I'm sure. And I promised you earlier that I would 
explain to you how we might make ourselves right with God, how we might get right with God, actually, not make ourselves right with God. I wonder if that can come up on the screen. Let me just take you through it. The first sentence just acknowledges that we have done wrong things. The Bible calls it sin. And this horrible little three-letter word, sin, is what separates us from a perfect God. And each one of us sin. We're all broken. We're all mess-ups. So (laughs) I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. But it acknowledges that we are broken. But then it says, I believe you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. You know, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's alive and he's reigning today. This is the kingdom of heaven we've been talking about. He's the king. And then we say, I'm going to ask you for forgiveness and thank you for the gift of new life. You see, as we um, confess our sins to God, he washes us clean and he gives us a new start. But then we're going to receive him as our Lord and Savior. We're going to make him Lord. And we're going to choose to live for him now and forevermore. That's quite a prayer. But actually, if you're not right with God this morning, you are one prayer away from being right with God. So church together, can we say this out loud, please? Let's go. Jesus, I acknowledge that I have done wrong things and that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Today, I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your gift of new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I choose relationship with you and I choose to live for you. Please come into my heart and change my life now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.